This is Shi'ar Jashub, which in Hebrew means, a remnant shall return. Hi, this is Patty Scalzo, and I would like to welcome you today to our Bible study broadcast from the Church Fellowship of Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. My husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, is currently teaching an in-depth series entitled Heavenly Authority. So let's go right into the Sunday service and listen as Pastor Greg ministers the Word. We'll pick up today in the Heavenly Authority series. In the study that we're doing on David, Israel's leader, Israel's king, and obviously important to any topic on authority. And the last time we left off in 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 11, the account of the adulterous affair of David with Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. We read in verse 4, Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, so she sent and told David and said, I am with child. And today, we want to look at David's reaction to this news. Verse 6. Then David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah had come to him, David asked how Joab was doing and how the people were doing and how the war prospered. Remember, they're at war with Ammon. And David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house, and the gift of food from the king followed him. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. So when they told David, saying, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, Did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? And Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. Then David said to Uriah, Wait here today also. Wait here today also, and tomorrow I will let you depart. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. What's David trying to do here? Why does he call for Uriah to be sent to him? Why does he send to Joab to have Uriah sent to him? David is desperately trying to cover over his sin. If Uriah comes back, Uriah has been away a long time, goes home with his wife, things will happen, and if a baby's born, 
No one will know what happened between David and Bathsheba. They'll think it's Uriah's child, including Uriah. So everything will be covered over, and everything will be made right, and he's desperate. And it's such a sharp contrast. You think about that young man with Goliath and the strength of character and the calm he almost had when he goes out there before that giant, and he's at peace. And there's a stability to David compared to the Israelite men who are shivering. And now here he is as king, as leader over Israel, and you sense fear. He's plotting, he's trying, he's conniving any which way to solve his problem, to cover over his sin. And Uriah is called in, but the plan is all fouled up because of Uriah's loyalty. Uriah's personality and loyalty interferes with David's plan. And now what am I going to do? Well, wait here again. Don't leave today. I'll let you go tomorrow. And David has to think some more. What a contrast between the calm, stability, and purity, and nobility in the Lord compared to the panicky, lying deception when we sin, and then, as human nature is, we seek to cover over sin. Uriah is loyal. Now, Uriah is called a Hittite. If you remember the Hittites, uh, that they were a pagan people who were among the occupants of Canaan from pretty early on. Uh, they also flourished in Asia Minor in Turkey and in Syria, northern Syria. They were in the land at the time of Abraham when Abraham came in. Uh, Abraham purchased the field for Sarah's burial from the Hittites. Esau married two Hittite women. They were in the land when the Israelites were in Egypt, and they were among the people who had to be driven out when Israel conquered Canaan under Joshua because the land was defiled because of their sins, because of the sins of the Hittites, the Canaanites, the Gergesites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites the terrible abominations of those people, the perversions of those people we read about in Leviticus. The Hittites themselves describe their many gods as the thousand gods. And yet here we see in this individual Hittite, under the influence now of Israel's true religion, that he's actually showing himself to be of nobler character, than God's beloved David. He has loyalty to David. He has loyalty to his commander, Joab. He shows loyalty to his fellow soldiers. He's concerned for the seriousness of Israel's situation for his country when he says in verse 11, Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents. We don't have permanence here. We're under attack by our enemies. Joab's in the field, the men are in the field, and I'm supposed to go home and relax and have fun and enjoy myself? He's concerned for his king, he's concerned for his nation, and he's also concerned for his God. Notice what he says, the first thing he says to David in verse 11, the ark, the ark of the covenant, and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents. He's concerned that the ark is in a tent, in a tabernacle. Now, at this point, David has got it up into Jerusalem. He's made a tabernacle, a tent. 
But remember, David was concerned that the house of God, there was no permanent dwelling place. And we read about the great promise that God gives to David through Nathan the prophet, that he would establish his kingdom, that his seed would be the Messiah, the one to build the house of God, because David was concerned with the house of God. Well, Uriah is of the same ilk. Uriah is concerned that the ark is in a tent. And very possibly, the ark, perhaps with the tabernacle, has been brought out into the war field. For him to put it all together, the ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. The ark itself, the tabernacle, could have been in danger. So how can I go then and go home? He's too concerned. He's very obviously a very serious man. He has converted and is a worshiper of God to mention the ark of God. A matter of fact, the name Uriah most likely means flame of Yahweh, flame of Yahweh, or Yahweh is light. And as many times when a person makes repentance and they convert, there's a change of name, and to indicate that he is a worshiper of Yahweh, he took this Hebrew name, Uriah, Yahweh is flame, Yahweh is light. And while we see in the Exodus and the conquest of Canaan, God's judgment upon the gross sins of all these nations, we begin to see here in men like Uriah and women like David's great-grandmother, the Moabitess Ruth, we begin to see God's grace and his mercy and his call to those who are afar off, a call then that is greatly amplified in the New Testament, when the sins of Jew and Gentile alike are revealed and made available to every nation, every tribe, every people, every tongue, both Jew and Gentile, the salvation that is in Jesus Christ, Messiah. The Old Testament also showed the sinfulness of all mankind, right, of all mankind, both Jew and Gentile. What are we reading about here? We're reading about this, the sins of King David. The Bible is very honest, speaking of the nature of human beings. And we saw last time that God is no respecter of persons, as Peter would say in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, when he saw the blessings poured out upon Cornelius' household, when they, these Gentiles, received Jesus Christ as Lord. God does not respect any individual. When David sins, we said what? God is going to clearly reveal that sin, even though he's David. And when Uriah is dealt with unjustly, when he is sinned against, when he is slain and his blood cries up from the ground, God is no respecter of persons. And even though he is of Hittite blood, God will judge the sin that is done against him. Because God sees everything. What did Haggai say? She said, he is the God who sees. He sees Sarah. He sees Haggai. He sees David. He sees Uriah. And he is no respecter of persons. He is the God who sees. And he will judge the sin of all, Jew and Gentile, and God will show mercy on all who repent 
and come back to him, both Jew and Gentile. Uriah is loyal to God, he's loyal to David, he's loyal to his fellow soldiers, and he refuses to go home while his fellow soldiers endure the battlefield. But he sleeps where? He sleeps with the king's servants, right? In verse 9, but Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his own house. He has a servant mentality. And we'll see he was not a servant. He was an important man in David's army. But the question is, has David been loyal to him? Has David respected him the way Uriah shows respect to others? And here's the thing about sin. Many times we sin because we want what we want. We want to get what we want to get. And we don't realize how that sin affects others. You have been listening to the teaching ministry of Greg Scalzo, pastor of Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut. We know it is terribly difficult to find the time to write in today's fast-paced world. But if you could find the time to drop us a postcard, your words of encouragement would be a real blessing. Our address is Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box, 518 Branford, Connecticut 06405 Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go south to Route 1. Turn right and at the next light turn right again. May the Lord's presence overflow in your life as you serve Him.